you have the setup of Superman becoming basically the uh, world leader, right. essentially of that of that particular universe, and then heroes from the main DC universe come to help liberate the the the, the world. Okay. So it takes time. It, it takes time. Okay. So if there's a sequel, we will see him. Yes. So you do not think we will actually see him at all in the first film. I'd be really surprised. I'll be honest because they have a lot of setup to do because the, the story of injustice, mm-hmm. while it sounds really simple, the way it pans out, especially how Tom Taylor took it and gave surprisingly a lot of background info into the world it's going to take at least, I feel, a couple movies of injustice to get the full. Oh, a couple story. movies. Do you oh, think? Yeah. Do you think they're going to do that? I I can easily see a trilogy. Okay. For injustice. Oh, well, that's good news then for us, John Constantine fans. Fingers crossed, we will eventually get there, and that gives us some more John Constantine. Because as you know, here in the House of Mystery, we we never get enough John Constantine. We're never satisfied. We're never happy. So, hopefully, by the third movie. Second. I'm calling second. Second movie. By the second movie. Okay. And I do think it's going to do well just because if you look at how it's tracking on social media, people are going apeshit over it. Yeah, because it it amazes me that we got a really good injustice story being told to us through comics for the longest time. And so many people, when Injustice, the, the animation movie came out, were shocked to find out that there was a comic book series. And everyone who knew the Injustice comic book series was saying, if you want to know what's going to happen in the movie, look at the, look at the, look at the comic book series. You'll, you'll probably get an idea of what's going to happen. And to give people an idea, there is four seasons of Injustice. Okay. So you have the first season, which is, I feel, is what the movie's going to do, or the, this animation's going to deal with. Second season is where you start seeing all the little bigger plots in the world happening and that's when Constantine and Dr. Fate come into play because the one question that was was posed by Tom Taylor brilliantly in Injustice was oh brilliant and Tom Taylor, Taylor I never thought you would be using that adjective to describe him because it was so simple you have my interest it was it was actually a simple idea that i I was surprised that when injustice first came out no one really asked this was so superman takes over the world okay evil superman at this point basically does he flick peanuts at a bar (laughs) (laughs) but like the the in the second season it's asked well we know what batman's group is doing but how does it that basically Superman's able to control the other facets of the DC world? There's no way he can actually control the magic side of the DC because magic, magic is his one weakness. Right. So Okay, so magic does play a part, though, because I'll tell you yes. right now, I'm a noob when it comes to injustice. I've never read it just because I'm not an uber fan of Tom Taylor, but... Um, there is magic involved in injustice. Yes. Well, the, the, the most interesting part too, that made it great was the concept of injustice season two was how does Superman defeat ma- the magical beings of the DC universe? Okay. And then number two, what is John Constantine's game? And then in the very end, you find out John Constantine screws everyone over for of his course. own gain. 
And, and it's like, yeah, that's John. Okay. That's what he would do. So are there any top tier magical characters that you think might show up in the first Injustice then? Uh, Dr. Fate might. Okay. Well, that's a winner. He's the one who sets up. Dr. Fate and Zatanna are the ones who initially kind of gather all the magic users. And the first person that they go to actually get is Constantine. Okay. So Zatanna will be a part of it eventually, if not right away. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, let's face it. If Constantine, uh, the weakness of Constantine is if Zatanna comes calling. Yeah. John will whatever she says for some strange reason listen she starts speaking backwards and we just we just you know melt <laughs> listen to the oblivion bar and patreon to uh understand that because what happens in the oblivion bar stays in the, in the oblivion, oblivion bar. bar yeah okay dave so speaking of zatanna we do have an upcoming batman zatanna story that's just around the corner. Yeah. Uh, Batman's goodest boy, Ace the Bat Hound, which is ridiculous, <laughs> stars in his own story. Uh, the upcoming 11th issue of DC Comics Batman Urban Legends anthology series promises, among other things, a story starring none other than Dark Knight's trusty canine companion. I don't really give a shit about that. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the main point here. Uh, Batman Urban Legends number 11 is slated to hit comic shops on Tuesday, January 11th. The issue's official. Oh, let's see. Let me find the news. Okay. Batman Zatanna will be featured in the anthology series. The comic is 66 pages and the synopsis for Batman and Zatanna every year, the two have to come together to defeat an evil curse this year. They fail and the world is in peril because of it. Now I'm more of a Zatanna and Constantine guy, you know, but like she has two men. It seems like, Oh, easily. She got, she gets some John Constantine and she gets some Batman. She's got some Batman. And it makes sense. She's covering her bases when it comes to her types. And uh, well, would you say it's her only type? Uh, psychologically, psychologically, they are the same. They're the same physically and aesthetically. They're different. Different. I mean, she might want some, you know, hot latex fetish sex with Batman, and then she's gonna have some just down and dirty magical. Love making with, with Constantine. With burnt cigarettes. Yeah, that, by the way, is a fan fiction I'm writing. So keep you guys' <laughs> the eyes out. Eyes out? Eyes open. Or eyes out. This is the House of Mystery, so you can rip your eyeballs out if you wish to. <laughs> I don't know. I think our fan base would actually enjoy the thought process of Batman and John Constantine double teaming Zatanna. Wow, David, you just took us there. <laughs> Do you think she would spell DP backwards? Wow. <laughs> Well, then all give me sudden, some PD guys. She's like, wait, police department. No, 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 no. And, and you never know. I mean, John might actually be willing to do something to Bruce. So no, stop it. <laughs> Listen, I know Constantine is, is bisexual, but he doesn't, he doesn't care for Batman. Come on. <laughs> now that you say that, watch this Tom Taylor. All of a sudden says John Constantine's going to sleep with well, listen, if Tom Taylor's trying to get pats on the back, he will do it. He'll announce it first on Twitter and he will let everyone like his tweet so he can feel good about himself. Like, look at guys, I'm so progressive. I throw I throw bisexuality around and people just applaud me. And, and see, I'm just doing John Constantine butt fucking Batman. Oh my god. There's no story. It's just John Constantine <laughs> fucking Batman. Dude, that's what Taylor does on social media. 
It's just like, hey, guys, guess what? Constantine's butt-fucking Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Applause. All right, so, David, we do have some disturbing news pertaining to Sandman and John Constantine and uh, the rights issue. Now, we have yeah. been, as fans of John Constantine, been speculating for months now why Matt Ryan exited Legends of Tomorrow as John Constantine. And then the news broke that John Constantine would not have any part in the upcoming Netflix Sandman story. And that Johanna Constantine would be taking on that role, which yes. she was already a part of the Netflix story anyway, or I should say the Sandman story anyway. Sandman story anyway. So it didn't really bother me. It made sense. And we have some more insight into why Constantine is not a part of Sandman on Netflix. And it seems like it does have a lot to do with what I was saying uh, on one of our recent shows. It's based on what Neil Gaiman said. If you want to pick apart tweets, which that's what Twitter's best for is to take things people say and try to break it down and analyze it. Now, uh, an individual, Matt, the wizard on Twitter tweets out to Neil Gaiman says, not a complaint because I'm looking forward to, uh, Jenna Coleman's performance, but could you not get John Constantine because of the CW and HBO? And that's what I had said. It's just too many John Constantines going on at the same time. And Neil Gaiman says the rights situation with John is certainly circumscribed right now. But the plan to have Lady Johanna and Joanna be in the story and played by the same person was there from the start. It seemed tidier. So it worked out. A couple things to take away from this. Now, from a writing standpoint uh, and from a creative standpoint, he does make sense and he's right. It, it does make for a tidier script and a tidier story by having one character playing a Constantine. A Constantine. Especially... It, it would require a lot of setup to do multiple. When you're a show... Yes. TV is different than comics. Comics can do a lot of things that TV shows can't and vice versa. And when it comes to a show, that's probably going to be about 10 episodes on Netflix. And you're dealing with a dynamic multifaceted story like Sandman that doesn't focus on John Constantine. Exactly. It would require some setup to introduce two versions of a Constantine, both a female and a male. So Neil Gaiman is right. Just pick one and stick with that one because it makes for a tidier story. Yeah. And and it, at first I was a little disappointed to hear that, but thinking of it as a writing device. Yeah. It does make sense to just make the Constantine part of Sandman to, and especially since this is Neil Gaiman's call. So I trust Neil Gaiman with his story. And it is his story. It's from his story. He's not just some rando showrunner that was hired to exactly. do the show. This is his baby. So with the the problem that you brought uh, that you brought up, which was if he were to actually make it two separate characters, Joanna and John, you have to establish the connection between the two. And okay, so here's John Constantine. Here's Joanna. Joanna's in the 18th century. What does that have to do with John in the 20th century? Right. Suddenly you're, ta you're, you're being taken away from the actual story, which is Sandman. Well, Dave, just as, as writers, you and I both know that that right there sounds like a two or three episode arc. Yes. The setup. 
yeah. in a in a, a fashion that feels non hackish. Exactly. It, it would take time. It minimum of two to three episodes. And and we know that the important thing to Gaiman is the Sandman story. He doesn't want to take away from Morpheus. He doesn't want to take away from um the the overall tale of Sandman. Because at the end of the day, it's not about John Constantine. It's yeah. about about uh about <laughs> dreams. So I'm okay with that decision. We had said that a couple, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago when the news first broke. Honestly, I'm a bit excited to see Johanna Constantine instead. It's something that I didn't think we'd ever see on television and something a little different. And honestly, when you have two variations already on TV, one, you know, Matt Ryan on Legends, and you have another one coming out on HBO Max. Imagine if we had a third on Netflix. Exactly. It would be really confusing. It would just feel weird. And and on a side note, some of the stills I've been seeing, especially uh, uh, I believe it's Tom Sturridge who's playing uh, Dream. Some of the stills from set, yeah. seeing all the characters in play, this looks really cool. I mean, I'm really excited to see Neil Gaiman get to tell his story the way he wants it. On on a on a instead of a comic book or in a in in a book format in an actual live action format, because the one thing that me and you have discussed about the Sandman series is the Sandman series itself. Gaiman is so poetic with a lot of the stuff that happens in that story. It boggled our minds. And how do you how do you transition that into the visual media? You know, especially, you know, if they do this, if they do the episode where Dream goes to hell and battles Lucifer in the word, in the word duel, Mm -hmm. how do you do that visually? Well, we'll see. (laughs) Very soon, David, we will see. It's only a matter of time before we get a full on trailer. We did get a teaser for the Sandman series and it does look pretty. It looks really good. It looks pretty amazing. I'm really psyched for it. Uh, Netflix's Sandman debuts stunning first look at Dream, an opening scene from Neil Gaiman's adaptation. It's everything I thought it should look like. There was a few Sandman babies, and I use the word baby when people just can't get past their own expectations. There were a few Sandman babies out there complaining about the looks. That's not really what I had imagined based on the comic book panel. (laughs) Listen. If you're a regular showrunner and you're adapting something that you didn't create, that's enough to get you annoyed hearing that. Yes. But if you're the actual creator yourself making the TV show, like is the case with Neil Gaiman and Sandman, tell me that just wouldn't get under your skin. Like, oh, motherfucker, easily. I know what it needs to look like. It's my creation. My creation. And, and it's such, it's one of those things that I always get annoyed at with like, certain comic book fans who basically say it has to be the way I imagined it. Yeah. Why? Just <laughs> chill out and chill relax out. and enjoy it. You didn't write it. If the story sucks, <laughs> it comes down to story for me. If in fact, it should come down to story for everyone. If the writing sucks, there's no reason to watch a show. Yeah. So that's what we need to wait for. If the writing sucks, then we can all get on, you know, wherever, social media, Twitter, wherever, whatever platform makes you feel important, and you can bitch and moan. And I'm sorry, it's Neil Gaiman. The writing's not going to suck. 
<laughs> yeah, he's if he was a first timer here, like moving into moving from novels and graphic novels to TV, I would be slightly concerned because it is a different medium medium. And we have seen uh, comic book writers attempt to write TV and we've seen movie writers and directors attempt to write. Yes. And they are completely different mediums. And nine times out of 10, they're not that great from the writing side. But the fact that Neil Gaiman has been involved in TV shows yes. for several years and has been involved with movies for countless years, I'm not concerned. And you got to also remember that basically he's coming off a rather successful, uh, a, a successful project in Good Omens. Yeah. Good Omens was actually critically, uh, critically accepted well. Yeah. And that was Gaiman. Gaiman was involved in that. Yeah. Also, Sandman Act 2 is now available on Audible. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, although it seems like many of our listeners on our feed uh, is in love with it. So we should plan a show in the near future where we finish discussing Act 1 and just move right into Act 2. Because I don't want to even listen to this until after (laughs) I re-listen to Act 1 because I don't have time to listen to act two, then act one again in order to do a full on review. A full on review. So we should definitely knock this out. Have you taken any uh, listens to this yet? Oh yeah, I have. I, I've listened to the complete, uh, complete thing as of right now. Act two. Yes. Damn. Yeah. You love it. Like oh, it. I love hate it. it. I love it. it the, actually a brief, very brief summary of like, before we even review it completely. Yeah. Go ahead. I love it. Uh, I think it's a really great a- adaptation. The narration's fantastic. It goes there. There's something about the way that it's all narrated perfectly in time with the comic that it, it's such a joy to just listen to it without reading the comic. And then the second time I, w- or I read it, I was looking at the comic while listening to it. And it was like beat for beat every step of the way. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, it's produced so well. It's so produced well, and it definitely uh, raises the bar, in my opinion, for mm-hmm. uh, for radio dramas. My my favorite part, my favorite part still is Constantine's uh, the Constantine episode. Really, that stands out the most. That stands out the most because, like, I think that I forgot who the actor who played Constantine, but hearing him voice Constantine made me say, "I want to see him." As Constantine. Yeah. He actually could play Constantine. I forgot his name too at the moment, but he's from the Kingsman, right? Yes. Yeah. He looked like, he definitely could play younger John Constantine without easily, a doubt. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Okay, Dave. So good news. We've been talking about this for a while now amongst ourselves, and we actually discussed it briefly in a recent Oblivion Bar, but we should probably get the news out on our regular show that's available to everyone. Jeff Lemire's new Swamp Thing series goes into effect December. Now people can relax. There's they're not um, sidelining Ram V. However, his Swamp Thing does come to an end in three issues. And we haven't heard whether or not they would renew. This is something separate. This is a one-off. Not a one-off. This is a side black label story that's not going to be a part of the regular DC continuity the title for this upcoming black label series is green hell 
Now, Jeff Lemire mentioned that he had another DC Comics project coming in, uh, coming in his most recent newsletter, where he said in his Substack newsletter, Robin and Batman will not be my last DC or work for hire project released. The same time I wrote this series, I also wrote another three issue oversized black label book for one of my all time favorite artists, Doug Mankey. Is that how you'd say that, Dave? Mankey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that one will be announced this coming month. And when it is, I'll get more info to you. And this is it a three part miniseries for DC Black Label Swamp Thing Green Hell. The reason why this is so exciting for us, and I'm not going to say the name of the creator, this is actually. Uh, created by one of our friends, a listener of our network. I will not say his name because I don't know if he wants to be associated with me. <laughs> exactly. Publicly. He may be embarrassed of the things that we do uh, in the House of Mystery. Which is fair enough. Yeah. Which is fair enough. In fact, he has threatened to call the police a few times uh, after listening. He's all, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you, you guys need to stay away from You me. horrible human beings. Am I really your friend? <laughs> I hope not. But he has told me. Well, we've invited, uh, you know, into the basement. I don't know why he's nope. scared yeah. of the basement. Come on. Come on down to the basement. Come on. <laughs> so one of the greatest artists of modern DC history, according to the writer of this article, is Doug Mankey. And he joins Lemire on his gory, gruesome monster mash where the fate of humanity rests in the hands of someone who isn't human at all. The earth is all but done. The last remnants of humanity cling to a mountaintop island lost in endless flood water. The parliaments of the green, the red, and the rot all agree. It's time to wipe the slate clean and start the cycle of life over again. And to do so, they've united their powers to summon an avatar, one of the most horrific monsters to ever stalk the surface of this forsaken planet. Against a creature like that, there can be no fighting back unless you have a soldier who understands the enemy. Someone who has used its tactics before. Someone like Alec Holland. It's on sale December 28th. The Swamp Thing Green Hell is a dark dystopian tale for the ages. Now we may be able to get a preview copy of this, David. I'm talking very soon. And if we do, then we're going to get this review out before it even is released. That'd be really awesome. I'm really, I'm really psyched for this up for this particular story. I am too because while Ram V's has been fantastic, uh, his series has been fantastic. His yeah. series is all about setting up the brand new Swamp Thing. There's something about the character of Alec Holland that's always near and dear to me as the Swamp Thing. Oh yeah, and he's the name that is always going to be associated associated with yeah. that character. So to see him, to see Jeff Lemire bring him back, because he does say that basically the problem is Alec Holland has been dead for decades. And I'm like going, okay, so Alec Holland returns in yeah. Green Hell, which makes me, uh, makes me wonder. So this is going to be Swamp Thing versus Alec Holland, hmm. which is actually really cool and kind of, kind of, is the right way this story should play out. So you think uh, it'll be a battle between the two of them? Between Alec Holland and Swamp? Like internal, like an existential crisis type? Partly ex ex inner, existential and probably conflict? Out, outer conflict too, because hmm. Alec Holland will always have a connection to Swamp Thing. And he will always have a connection to the green. 
so it makes sense that he would have an internal crisis as well as having to deal with whatever avatar they the the the, the three planes have des- decided to summon. Okay. Well, we'll see. December 29th. Now, we are in the midst of our winter break during that time, but when we come back, we'll definitely jump into that. In fact, we might even come back. Typically, when we go to winter break, we don't come back until March. Yeah. Uh, but we might come back maybe mid-January just for this discussion to cover green hell. It'd be really worth it. We don't want to fall so far behind and it loses its hype and there's no point in no. reviewing it. That's why I'm hoping we get review copies because then I can just record it, schedule it to go out, you know, December 29th. And then we don't have to worry about, you know, having to come back to the studio. So we'll see. Uh, Dave, let's take a very quick break. We do need to refresh and drink some blood, the blood of our victims. Victims. And we will be right back. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, so we are back. Be sure to check us out on Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com slash Digital, you can pledge just a single dollar. And what I mean by pledge, I mean subscribe. Subscribe to our dollar tier, and you'll gain access to our Oblivion Bar discussion, which is basically an extension of this show, a bit of a spinoff show. It's a setup. Setup show. Yeah, it's where we do our pre-show banter, and we talk about different things. 99% of the time, it's connected to John Constantine in some way. We're going through news, we're going through notes, some opinions, some bitching, some Tom Taylor bashing, uh, just different things. <laughs> and it's so sad because he's the only target we got. <laughs> well, listen, I was on his side with deceased. What he did with deceased with John Constantine was great. Yes. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, but, you know, rise and fall just wasn't my thing. <laughs> so, all right. So, David, we do have something coming out that does look fun and I'm going to have to get involved with this as well. Justice incarnate. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this one up. It, it dude, it, it looks really fun to see what they're doing with this. I had no idea. This is something that I needed to read. Apparently justice incarnate is a thing. So DC's hellish super demon returns in multiversal justice league series. The unlikely mashup of Superman and Etrigan, the demon from Grant Morrison's multiversity series, makes a fiery return in Justice League Incarnate 
number two. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick these up. Yes. The hellish fusion between Superman and Etrigan, the demon, returns in the upcoming Justice League Incarnate number two, releasing in December. Known as Super Demon, this unorthodox hero defends the dark world of Earth-13 alongside the League of Shadows. A group composed of alternate versions of several of DC's magical characters, including the likeness of Ragman, Deadman, and Enchantress. Uh, how did I not know about this before, Dave? <laughs> I know the the this, there's so many there's so many titles now that they're coming out with, and some that deserve a lot of attention because, like the Justice League Dark uh, stuff that uh, has happened in uh, Infinite Frontier, has kind of been under uh, under touted. Yeah, even though honestly, the story of Justice League Dark in Infinite infinite frontier was better than the story of the justice league. Well, that's what I keep hearing from multiple readers. If you go through my, my hellblazer feed. Yeah. I see a lot of people saying it's pretty sad that the backup story is better than the actual main story. Well, the whole backup story was so fascinating because you, they did, they decided to dive into a character that normally you, they wouldn't in the past. Like you would dive into characters like Constantine, Zatanna, mm. Wonder Woman recently, who became the leader of the Justice League Dark. Yeah. Instead, they decided to jump into Etrigan. And then like the whole story of how Merlin, who is, you know, the creator of Etrigan and basically the one that bonded him to Jason Blood, turns out to be a villain. And that's the whole point of the Infinite Frontier went in the very end was Etrigan trying to rectify what happens, uh, what happens in the future. Right. So they're doing a lot of things with Etrigan. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, every few years, a certain character becomes the flavor of the month and I'm okay with Etrigan being that now justice league incarnate number two sees a team of heroes from a wide variety of earths banding together to defeat dark side along with various multiversal threats, including a gender-flipped version of Batman Who Laughs. Huh. The Batwoman Who Laughs? That actually might be slightly interesting. (laughs) I'm a little Batmaned out, but because this is connected to the darker side of DC and magic users, that could be good. Well, and the beauties of the uh, multiversity that DC started was, it was started by Grant Morrison. I know. And Morrison comes up with some of the weirdest. But awesome. But awesome ideas you could possibly think of. And he'll throw anything at the wall. So him coming up with a gender flipped version of the Batman who laughs is actually, that's probably a Morrison thing. I wonder (laughs) if I should go back. I've never read Multiversity. Have you? I have. I have. And Multiversity is 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 very, it's very polarizing. Do you think I would like it? Because you know my taste. Uh, you might, you actually might, I mean, you might see the, the quote unquote brilliance of Grant Morrison that I feel because I like multiversity. Okay. Well, then if you liked it, then I'll probably like it. Multiversity to me was pretty much the dream of Grant Morrison to be able to have a blank check and say, I could do whatever I want and bring in heroes however I see fit. Okay. Well, this is different than 
the knights of or the seven soldiers. Absolutely. Right? Okay. This is take the epicness of the seven soldiers of victory and what he did in uh uh Doom Patrol. Take yeah. the epicness. You okay. know, like absolutely like epic story uh, storytelling that Grant Morrison's able to do mm-hmm. and ramp it up to like eleven. Is there social commentary? Because that's what I like. Because Grant a, Morrison a bit, is amazing yeah. with social commentary when it comes to Doom Patrol. A little bit, yeah, but especially when you when he delves into the origins of some of the members, especially when you get to uh, uh, Superman in the very beginning, because Superman's the f- the, the first person he tackles, and that's the uh, the black version of Superman. Okay, well, you know what? I may look into reading Multiversity. I don't know if we're going to cover it, but I'll read it so that I have some some background. But we probably will cover Justice League Incarnate. Now, is Justice League Incarnate is it? An ongoing series? Right now, currently, yes. Okay. So, let's see here. Along the way, they must bring... Okay, Justice League 2 sees the team of heroes gender-flopped. I'm trying to get back to where I was at. Okay, so along the way, they must bring Super Demon and the other members of the League of Shadows to their side, necessitating a pit stop on Earth-13. Super Demon originated in Multiversity Guidebook, a 2015 book by Grant Morrison and a host of artists that outlined several worlds in DC's expansive multiverse. A demon who rocketed to Earth from the planet Camelot and battles evil threats in the name of Merlin. <laughs> Super Demon was last seen in Multiversity number two. Oh, my God. I need to I need to read this. And doesn't that sound like Grant Morrison? It does. Super <laughs> Demon rocketed to Earth. I mean, from the planet Camelot. It's, the just, Camelot. it's just bizarre enough to believe that it is, in fact, Grant Morrison. Okay, so Multiversity number two. Okay, you see Super Demon and Multiversity number two combating a group of vampires from Earth 43, another shadowy world in the multiverse ruled by the Blood League, a version of the Justice League possessed by vampirism. See, this does sound really cool. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's all Grant Morrison. Yeah. The Multiversity also introduced the team headlining Justice League Incarnate, led by Val Zod, and, and, Superman of Earth 2. And the amazing thing about the Multiversity line, it was started by Grant Morrison, and then Morrison, I believe, handed the reins over to another writing team, I think Joshua Williamson was there. He's doing Justice League Incarnate. He's the one who's leading the writing on that. And Joshua Williamson, in an interview a while ago, because I was reading up on Multiversity News and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and Joshua Williamson said, the universe that Grant started is like a playground for any writer. Oh, sure. Because you're like, you go into the stories. as hell. You go into the stories and you're just basically told... Do whatever you want with this character. Give me something different. Give me something different. All right, you're going to do a Superman thing. I want you to work in a demon into that. <laughs> yeah, see, that Give sounds exciting. I, I'm, I'm going to check it out for sure. I'm going to have to read Multiversity as well. The, but the, if you look at the cover for issue number two, the super demon, mm-hmm. it's... Oh, dude, it's, it's awesome. epic. And guess what? There are variant covers, of course. So I'm going to be picking those up as well. And this is on sale officially December 7th. So we still have a ways to get there. But yeah. hey, something to look forward to. This is definitely something to look forward to. We don't have any ongoing Hellblazer. 
the only true ongoing ish Constantine story we even have currently is, I mean, Justice League Dark. Justice League Dark as a backup story. So anything that I can get my hands on when it comes to the darker side of DC that involves members of the Justice League Dark in some fashion, like Super Demon. I'm on board. Now look who they battle. Okay, so they must enlist the aid of Super Demon and his League of Shadows against not only Darkseid, but also the evil power couple of Asmodel and the Sheeta Queen. Yes. So they're bringing in other elements that are also created by... By Grant Morrison. Yeah. Because that's the thing that had me really excited when you first sent, uh, sent this to me, this news, and I'm like going... Oh, they're actually connecting a lot of Grant's ideas from Seven Soldiers of Victory that he started and continuing on. And that's the beautiful thing. A lot of people, the one thing I will say, people who don't like Grant Morrison's uh, storytelling always say that it's far out there. You Like there's no rhyme or reason, you know, he, he will grab something and try to make it as creative as possible. To the point that you're you're left scratching your head, going, "How does this work?" <laughs> and, but you have to suspend belief sometimes with Grant, with his with his writing, especially when it comes to you know like some of the titles that a lot of people point out to me about Morrison that they're like going, "Well, what about Final Crisis and and uh, the Return of Bruce Wayne?" That was that was confusing. Yeah, it was, but. That was Grant basically saying, I'm going to actually try to break the mold of a typical comic book storytelling. Yeah. Well, he's definitely uh, one of those innovative, creative minds. I put him, I put him honestly up there with Gaiman. You know, his type of writing and his type of storytelling reminds me of Gaiman. The only difference is, as you said, with multiversity Grant Morrison is very polarizing Mm -hmm. in fact many people who are not about him just call him pretentious in fact I was reading some discussion points because I'm in the middle of reading what's it called seven soldiers seven seven soldiers of victory yeah I'm in the middle of reading that because we're going to cover it soon here because it has a lot to do with Zatanna and the entire storyline is written by Grant Morrison so I was going back and doing some research and reading what some people have said, and people are like, "Well, this is uh, expectedly expect <laughs> expectedly pretentious." What would you would you expect something differently from Grant Morrison? Grant Morrison? And then another comment, totally pretentious. So there are people that just dislike Grant Morrison because they think he tries too hard to be crazy. But listen, the dude knows how to write. And when you know how to write, if he, let's listen, if he was a hack and he was just throwing out crazy ideas because it's the only way he can get headlines and people to kind of pay attention, then listen, I'd sign, I'd sign on a dotted line there and say, yeah, I'd co-sign with you and say he's a pretentious douchebag. But the dude's smart. The dude has a crazy mind. He has a body of work that's insane. Especially his run on Doom Patrol is some of the best comic book reading I've done. So I am looking forward to to getting into these stories here. So David, the one Justice League hero who never gets any credit. Go ahead. Who is that? Justice League hero slash Justice League Dark. Okay, hero. Man, there, there's a couple. Actually. I'll give you. I'll give you a give you a hint. It's not a woman. 
Is it a is it a certain person that wears red? Yes. <laughs> and has a big letter D on it. I'm just glad I'm not the only one who thinks this because didn't I say this a couple months ago? Like, why the fuck are we not getting dead man stories ever? Why is he not given his own stories? The guy is super interesting. His mythos is rich. There's so much you can do with a character like that. And yet all they ever do is use him as a guest star yes. in somebody's story uh, for maybe two or three issues. How do you, here was the thing. I remember me and you discussing about this yeah. in, in many of our talks. And I actually had a talk with one of my comic book writer friends um, and asked about this, you know, like, why isn't dead man used more? And he point blank told, told me the problem he, he, he sees with dead man mm-hmm. is he is so goddamn powerful. His power yeah. that his power overplays the character because once you actually, once he jumps into another person's body, the story becomes about the person that, that person, it does. It's not about him anymore. Uh, listen, I, Cannot disagree that he definitely a character like that runs the risk of being OP. OP. But learn how to write. That's why I was like, if you learn how to write, it's like the complaint that people say about Superman. Yes. Oh, you know, Superman is, he's just unrelatable. It's so hard to write stories for him because he's so OP. You can't really relate to a character like that. He's just too powerful. And I'm like, bullshit. Learn how to write, find something that works for that character, works for the character and it will work. And there are plenty of writers that are making it happen. Even the Superman TV show right now, the CW, they've actually made a point to show that they can bring relevance to a character like Superman in a way that can delve into social commentary and feel relatable on on many levels. You just need to want to and you need to be a good writer and i feel the same thing with dead man i'm not saying writing for dead man's easy i'm not saying writing for superman is easy but it can be done with the right story and the the want the want to do so yes but yeah so this article does go in depth i'm not going to go through it because it's kind of echoing a lot of what we have said which i'm wondering if they listen to our show and then <laughs> just, and just yeah uh, but yeah this this article says that Dead Man just doesn't get enough storylines, that he's very underrated, and they go into his mythos and what he has done throughout the years and the storylines he's been a part of. He's been a part of some major, major DC storylines. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think his biggest thing right now currently, which I didn't know this until you told me a few months ago, was that he is a part of the Infinite Frontier Wonder Woman storyline. Story. And he's not just there for a guest role. He is an every issue guest star. He's yeah. assisting Wonder Woman in the land of the dead, essentially, correct? Yes. Because she because is she's dead. in the afterlife, essentially. And there's no better character to be her guide than Boston Brand. Well, I don't really <laughs> have time to buy individual issues for this, and I'm not necessarily a Wonder Woman guy. Um, I can appreciate the character, but like I said, I stick to the darker side of DC for the most part. But I will consider looking into this trade paperback since her story is steeped, since this storyline is steeped in mysticism and has everything to do with Dead Man as her guide. I feel like it's worthy of this show, so I'm going to put it on our list to cover once the first volume is released as a trade paperback. Have you kept up on this storyline? On the storyline? Yeah. How does it use it's, dead man it's interesting because dead man is used as her guide is it well and at done? one point yeah at one point 
I believe it's in one of the future issues. They've they've alluded to the fact that Wonder Woman tries to bring back Dead Man. Okay. She she tries to bring back Boston Brand, which is not a good thing because if you think about it, Boston Brand made a deal with I forgot how to pronounce the god's name. Ramasha. Ramasha. Something like that. Yeah, it's something it's something on those lines, but Wonder Woman decides because you you realize that Boston Brand's that god's avatar. Mm-hmm. So essentially she's trying to mess with that god's avatar and take him away. Okay. And it's it's really cool because for the longest time, Boston Brand, his powers have seemed like a curse in a lot of ways. And in a lot of his stories, it's always deemed like, well, Boston's stuck in that afterlife and he's never been able to escape it. And part of the story right now with Wonder Woman is her bringing him back. Yeah, I know you mentioned that on a previous show. And it seems like it has come to an end, that storyline from what I'm reading. But we'll see. I, I, I'm going to add it to our list, Dave, and cover it. Do you think it fits into this show? Is it, it, is it enough show. of the right type of mysticism to oh, justify yeah. talking about it? I've, okay. been, I've been really surprised with the Wonder, uh, Wonder Woman Infinite Frontier line because it delves into the religious aspects of the DC universe and the more mystic, mystic side. Okay. Because anytime we can get a dead man story of any type, I'm on board because I, I do believe he's one of the better members of Justice League Dark. He is one of the characters I gravitate to for a lot of reasons. And it's just a shame that he just doesn't have a comic book. He doesn't have an ongoing comic book. He doesn't, doesn't even have like a, a three part event series, just nothing. And I would think he's perfect for a black label title. Give us a oh three God, issue yes. black label title. And I, I would mean, be happy with that. Give us that once a year and I would be happy. I mean, if you think about it, look what they did with the question. Yeah. The question was always told, oh, he's so boring. But they were able to give a really good, decent series with the question. Yeah. So I will keep everyone informed when I plan on covering that. I'm hoping it's before the end of the year, before we go to winter break. There's quite a bit on our list. I want to say there's about 15 items. I don't know if we're going to get all to get to all of them, but we're going to try. Okay, David. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening to the house of mystery. You can find us on iTunes and pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, but our preferred place is iTunes because you can give us a five-star rating and we need those ratings. Please take some time out of your busy schedule and give us a rating. Give us a review. And also share the show with some other people, some of your friends, people that you may think will like our banter about the darker side of DC and our uh, pretty thorough breakdowns. All right, Dave. All right. Thank you. Thank you. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away, kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down, leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I walk my path alone because let's be honest who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me